Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And uh, I had, uh, I was going to talk to you a great deal about uh, some of the mysteries of the Kingdom of Heaven, how it works, how uh, this entire universe, the the nature of the universe, uh, is built in a system of cause and effect. And if you go in a particular direction, follow a particular path of behavior, of pursuits, of thinking, that certain things take over and automatically create results. Whether you like those results or not uh, is irrelevant. Uh, if you do this, this is going to happen. I mean, obviously, if you jump off a building... You're going to fall. You may imagine that you're flying, but you're going to go down because the natural event of gravity is going to take over and take you plummeting to the ground. And, uh, you know, I saw guys uh, who jump off with these wings, bat wing kind of things, uh, uh, clothes that they wear, and they go soaring down and they glide you know, and down the sides of mountains and along the cliffs and everything. It's an amazing thing. But they're falling. They're just falling with a little bit of style. But they are going to continue to go down and uh, eventually uh, hit the ground. And, of course, they have parachutes where they – usually they have parachutes. There have actually been some guys who have jumped off and slid into lakes, jumped off of mountains, fallen – I don't know. They might have even jumped out of planes – Fallen great distances and, uh, and, uh, but with these kind of, uh, cloth wings on and, uh, come skimming into a lake and actually, uh, make it, you know, the falling thousands of feet and actually are able to land at least on water and, uh, survive. But the reality is, is nature is going to take you down. The gravity takes over. And there's a lot of other forces in nature beyond gravity that are taking over all the time. Uh, our thinking is affected by what everybody else is thinking around us, what uh, people are doing around us. People we have relationships with will influence our decision-making uh, ability as we go through life. And so understanding how all this uh, interacts is difficult because what you do to understand to a great de degree is you use your own mind. Your own mind is deciding what you're seeing what, and taking the facts and putting them together and coming up with calculations. But your own mind is in this same realm. So you're, you're, you sometimes cannot see the forest for the trees because you're in, you're caught in the whirlwind. Where's your frame of reference? You know, we talk about speed. 
you're going such and such a speed in relationship to what? In relationship to where you're standing, in relationship to where a mountain is or where wherever, you know, uh, the planet is. The, you're moving on the planet. The planet's moving around the sun. The sun is moving in the galaxy. And so what speed are you actually traveling? In relationship to what? And so this is the same thing when you're trying to decide good and evil, right and wrong, in relationship to what? You have to have some sort of a standard that exists that uh, is that rock standard. And that's one of the things we hear about all the time in the news today is there is no standard. There is no moral standard. There is no, you know, um, uh, base right and wrong. That everything is okay and this information is coming at us left and right. And so anyway, what we do here, uh, when we talk about the keys to the kingdom, we try to put things, everything that we see, we hear about, we read about in another perspective. Look at it from another angle. An angle that is not common for people to look at things. And a lot of times that's uncomfortable because the reason you're not willing to stand in this position and look at things is because something else is in there guarding the gate. Something else is in that position and you don't want to see that thing. You don't want to look at that thing. You don't want to be aware of that thing. You want to look away from it. And it is designed to keep you to look away from it, not to be in that place. We talk about finding ourselves. We used to talk about that back in the 60s. Everybody had to find out who you are. And uh, to look at yourself, introspection, to see yourself as you really are. What does all that mean? See yourself as you really are in relationship to what? Judge yourself? Is there a standard? Is there a... A God that sets everything out from itself, a center of the universe of creation that puts everything into motion and, or is everything just relative to where you're at, where you achieve, what you feel? Well, you can decide that <laughs> with your brain. And uh, your capacity to see things. But anyway, we're going to take a look at some things from perspectives. And so that you get a at least a wider view, if not a more intrinsically unerred view of things. And that will depend on what you hear in what I say. It's not just what I say, but the way in which you hear it. And I, I was going to talk about GMOs and lead you into this, uh, why GMOs are really bad, which is not what I hear anybody arguing. I'm amazed that in the courts that the people who are fighting GMOs are losing because they cannot really see the problem. They can't get back far enough, you know, step back from the problem, step out of the woods enough to see the problem. They're still caught up in the world itself. And I, but I just read a, uh, uh, article by Betty Freoff. And, um, I've known Betty for a long time. She writes for News with Views. 
And it's appointment government employees, appointed government employees replacing parents. And this was the title of her article. And uh, in it, she brings out all kinds of facts and information. She uh, she reads uh, she reads different uh, studies and laws and gives kind of a history in it. And she's done some research. Many of these things I'm familiar with because I've lived through this period. Uh, she goes back and quoting laws that were passed back in 1974. And we were writing about some of those laws back then and uh, knew about them. We could see the trend too. But we were, and she, she, like many people, see a great many things. And they're trying to figure out what the problem is, attack the problem. She says, in order to fight back, you must know your rights. A recent study has found that many of the complaints originate from neighbors who think it's their duty to intervene in others' lives, in other people's lives. And so, that's actually way at the end of her article, but we're going to start at the beginning of her article and take a look at some of the highlights of that article and find out what might she be missing. Because I found in the whole article... I never actually saw her get to the point where she saw the real problem. And she's, she's not, she's a bright woman, very, uh, understanding woman, but, uh, of the, of, of the facts and information surrounding the problem. But you need to step back one step farther. If you are going to bring the power of God into this fighting back battle of hers. And uh, and so, you need to know your rights. She's right. You need to know where your rights come from and where they go to. How you lose your rights. Uh, because the key to the solution here is Christ. And I think she would probably agree with that statement, but does she really understand that statement? The key to the solution of the state taking over the role of the parent, of the father, of the family. Because that's what they're doing. They're taking over the power, the potestas, as the Romans used to call it, of the family. Which used to reside with the father of the family. And the father and the mother were one. And so... The parental right to exercise authority is it being supposedly usurped by the state. This is kind of the crooks of what she's saying. And she goes through all these laws that are being passed. But is it really being usurped by the state? And Jesus actually gave you the solution. He gave it to you in one simple line. And, uh, of course, that incorporates a lot of other things because everything is tied together in the universe. We live in this single membrane universe. In the membrane theory, the string theory, everything is tied together. And so when Jesus said, call no man on earth father, he was telling you the solution to the problem that Betty is taking a look at in her article. And uh, what we should be doing is constructing the city on a hill that Jesus is talking about. And I wrote an article 
or at least uh, kind of a synopsis of that word city that you see in the biblical text, what it meant at the time that Jesus used that term, at least as it was written down in the Greek text, what that word actually meant. If you go to the Hebrew word for city, it actually means something that's terrifying. (laughs) The The word for city in the Old Testament actually means a terror, something frightening. But in the Greek, it was polis, and it had another meaning altogether. But we're not going to explore that right now. We'll have to save that for another time. There is a little bit of an article up, and hopefully I'll write more on this. Maybe even publish it in News Reviews if I get the time. But we don't get much support, so we have to do all the work ourselves here. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't we don't get the time to do everything that we probably need to do to help you understand how to fight back. What's the real problem? What is really going on? She talks about 30 years of watching children's service harassing, oftentimes, innocent people while protecting others who are not so innocent. <laughs> so, and the fact is, I don't see any innocent people out there. I I really don't. I do not see innocent people. I see people maybe a little less guilty, but I don't see any innocent people. Innocent people means there is no guilt. I don't see any people with no guilt. And this is the problem. Because you don't know what you're guilty of. You're guilty of calling men of earth father in one way or another. People say, well... You know, are we talking about the Catholic Church who called the priest father? No, we are not. I mean, that's another problem, another issue altogether. But uh, the word that father was used at the time that Jesus said, call no man on earth father. The word father, patri, as we see in the Greek text, which is a Latin term, uh, was used to address all the senators of Rome. Patri Cicero, Patri Seneca, etc. They were called Patri. He says, call no man on earth Patri. He's talking about them. Even the emperor was called Patronus, our father who art in Rome. And he's saying, that's what Patronus means, our father. And he is saying, don't call anybody Patri. And that means don't look to the government to be your father to take care of your family, to provide for your family. If you're doing that in any way, shape, or form, you are not innocent. You are disobeying the command of King Jesus. You are putting men in the position of father. Just a simple little example. Fathers, teach thy sons. Are you teaching your sons or are you turning them over to the patries of the world? The patries of the earth to teach your sons and daughters. Are you doing that? Are you sending your kids to public school? Then you're not innocent. Because who's financing public school? We did the math last week uh, in either study or uh, I don't remember. I remember just talking uh, about it on the radio. We do so many radio programs and study calls. That uh, if if you're paying 
X amount of dollars in taxes, and we we just looked at what how much of the taxes that property taxes that go to support the school, and of course that's not the only taxes that go to support your local schools because they're almost all federally funded to a great de- degree. And you multiply that out uh, by the number of years you're paying that, and you have two or three kids, you're not paying for their education. Somebody else is. You're forcing your neighbor to pay for your child's education. The widow lady down the street, she has to put in money to pay for your child's education. She may have no children in school, no grandchildren in school. She still is forced to pay. Other people who are trying to start a business, they're forced to pay into your child's education. They may go out of business because they didn't make enough money to pay the taxes and all the other expenses. But you don't care. You want your free education. You're disobeying God. You're in violation of the Ten Commandments. You're coveting your neighbor's goods. You're in violation of what Jesus said, call no man on earth father, because you're giving the responsibility of the father to teach their sons to the state. So you're in, you're not innocent in any way, shape, or form. And you have no idea what damage you may be doing to your children because you don't look at curriculum. You don't really understand. You're looking at things with the knowledge in your head. And in most cases, that knowledge has already been filtered by you as well as other people. So that you don't see the whole truth. Because you don't want to see something about yourself. Your own laziness. Your own insecurity. You want to be accepted. So you send your kids to public school. You you want... You, you don't... I mean, I've actually heard parents say, I can't wait till school starts to get these kids out of the house. We never said that. We can't even imagine saying that. Other people would do that. But other people want to fit in. They want to appear to be right. They want to understand uh, or be understood because they or, or want to think that other people understand them. <laughs> but they really don't want to be understood. They, do really, they do, don't really want to know the whole truth and provide for it. Because then they would provide for the education of their own children. They, even if they, and they could very easily see how, if you actually read the school books, and I have read hundreds and hundreds of school books. I mean, besides my own original education, which was in private education. I didn't go to public school. And, um, but I've, uh, some of those books were used in public schools. But I have since then read hundreds and hundreds of public school books. And perused many more. And examined them. And I came to a conclusion all on my own. Without reading the Reese Commission or anything. That what your children are being taught. About history. Is been replaced. The the truth of history has been replaced by what is in those history books. So it's going to give your children a distorted view of history. Uh, we know that the dictionaries have been altered on a regular basis. 
And it doesn't have to be by some sort of, uh, you know, secret conspiracy. Uh, maybe a conspiracy of the heart, a conspiracy of the spirit, you know, uh, where, you know, the gods of the underworld are actually going around whispering in the hearts and minds of people and those who have an ear for them <laughs> will follow a certain agenda, follow a particular way of thinking, and they will create information or distort information. They will filter information to fit their agenda, the spirit that dwelleth in them. Now, that may all be taking place, but that is not nearly as important as what is taking place in your own mind and heart, your own heart and mind. Because you're filtering the information. You simply do not want to accept the fact that you have made choices that are going to injure your children, injure their thinking, injure their perception. That you have actually injured your own perception of reality by rejecting. How? Why would you reject the truth. You resent knowing the whole truth because in order to know the whole truth, you have to know the truth about yourself. And you don't want to admit that. You want to blame things on other people. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons too, but that's that's one of the chief ones. When you make those decisions, you are jumping off a building. When you turn your back on the truth, you are jumping off a building. You are setting yourself in motion in a particular direction. But there is a way to return. There is a way, just like those guys who jump off, glide down without a parachute and land in a lake. <laughs> Amazing. How did he do that? I mean, if he did not keep his cool, he would have died. But he, you know, he, he had practice and he had was borne up on the wind by his, uh, I don't know what they call those things, those winged outfits that they wear. But uh, anyway, uh, there is hope. But you have to be willing to see the whole truth. Yeah, she talks in her article, System uh, Family Resource Centers is uh, proposedly designed to supersede the authority and autonomy of the family. And in its place, the community becomes the parent. And he goes on and quotes Hillary Clinton, who said, it takes a village to raise a child. Which, of course, is true. That's, this is how evil works. It actually takes a village to raise a child. But what kind of village? What is the way in which that village operates? Is it the city on the hill that Jesus talks about, filled with peculiar people? Or is it filled, filled with covetous, uh, egregiously egotistical, angry, resentful people? And are you one of those egotistically resentful people? We'll take a look at that when we come back.
So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we established that uh, it does take a village to raise a child. The question is, what kind of village are you creating? Are you building the city on the hill that Jesus talks about? Or are you building a village of cannibals that like to take a bite out of one another? Or at least willing to take a bite out of one another? which we see referenced in the New Testament. Be careful that you do not bite one another, lest ye be devoured. The truth is, if you want to force your neighbor to educate your child, then you are taking a bite out of one another. If you want to force your neighbor to pay for your welfare, public education is welfare. Madison was for public education where it was needed. And he believed that it was needed where the people were absolutely indigent. The truth is, if he understood a little bit more about the kingdom, he would realize that, yes, but the public school must be funded by free will offerings, not by taxation. Because as soon as you decide to take from your neighbor, then you are moving from that city on the hill that Jesus talked about, that operates by faith, open charity, and love, and the perfect law of liberty, and you are moving down to that cannibalistic village where people take a bite out of one another to fill their own bellies, to provide for their benefits. They are willing to take and take and take and take. There's a different spirit living in those two different villages. One has become the new norm, And the other one is filled with peculiar people. I don't think most of you are in that peculiar people category because you are not coming together to build that city on a hill, that city that does not bite one another. And that's what we teach or or share or explain or educate people on is what that city on the hill looks like. It looks like people who gather together in free assemblies to freely contribute to one another to show people, to demonstrate to people that you can take care of one another without a gun or a sword at the knife to the throat of your neighbor. But first you have to put the knife to your own throat, according to Proverbs, because you've been eating of those benefits with a great appetite. This is, this is the theme throughout the entire Bible. That you're either governed by love or you're governed by force. And if you want to force your neighbor to do anything, you will be governed by force. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. You have gone that way and you are no longer innocent. This is what happens. Now, Betty writes, Replacing parents will become a community-based parenting structure whereby the expert and or appointees make necessary programming decisions for children. And the parents become merely members of a committee and breeders. Well, they actually may not even be on the committee. (laughs) They may be just voters who vote in somebody who appoints the committee. (laughs) So, but the whole, the whole plan And this is where you have to, where the Constitution is indicted. And was indicted by most of the people of America opposed the Constitution because they feared it would become exactly what it has become. 
Because you were not a party to the Constitution as a citizen in America. That's been ruled by the Supreme Court. The people were not a party. That's why it was never put to a popular vote. Had it been put to a vote, it would have been voted down. But it didn't have anything to do with the people. It had to do with granting power to government. But now that the people have become members of government, through a process of history, which they are not taught in school, and they know very little about, they are now subject to the power of that government. How did they become a party to it? By applying to it for benefits, like free education. Like I was saying, Madison was for public education for the absolute indigent. The people who had nothing and could not afford any other education. And even then, until 1910, most public schools were heavily funded by private money. It wasn't all funded by the government, and certainly not by the federal government. All these things are changing, changing constantly and regularly. And what are you doing about it? You don't even know the change is taking place. Because you're in the forest. <laughs> you can't see what's happening in the forest because you cannot see the forest because the trees are blocking you. What, what do you need to do more than anything else? Now, she goes on and talks about uh, communist China and the Soviet Union and how, you know, some of their agendas, you know, where parents are licensing parents to have babies, you know, being on the horizon, according to Senate, uh, Janet Hamby, uh, a Republican from Hillsborough. But the reality is that there's there's a lot more that's not on the horizon that you're already in the midst of that you don't even see. Now, why don't you see it? Why don't you have eyes to see? What? How do the scales get upon the eyes that Jesus is talking about? What, is Jesus, what does Jesus talk about besides love? What does Jesus talk about probably more than anything else? And that is forgiveness. Forgive that ye may be forgiven. This, this is, this is part of those secrets of the kingdom that I'm sharing with you, those keys of the kingdom. Christ told you, but now, how does that affect you today? If you do not forgive, you will not have the vision to see. You will become like that which you hated. People controlling your life. You didn't like people controlling your life. You wanted to be free of people controlling your life. Even your parents. You didn't like your parents controlling your life. You resented them. And then, so they're, they're controlling love, which may have the control, you know, I don't know who everybody's parents are. But a lot of times a parent says, don't do this because they love you. They don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see you damaged. They don't want to see you injured. They, they protect you. And you resented that protection. So now, how do, how do you know whether or not that's actually the motivation? How do you know you're not really flying, but you're actually falling? <laughs> see, you think you jumped off this building and you think you're flying. You're not. You're falling. You're headed down. <laughs> you're, 
you're soaring to the ground. How do you know what's actually happening there? If you don't forgive, you will not see what I'm going to tell you. But you need to forgive in order to see that. What happens? How do how do you get to the point where you're in this totalitarian communist state? Of uh, you know, we have Antifa out on the street supposedly now that are protesting because they're anarchists. They're if you're breaking windows, you're not an anarchist. <laughs> if you want to overthrow the government, you're not an anarchist. <laughs> If you're complaining because Hillary did not get, or Bernie Sanders did not get elected, then you're not an anarchist. You're just a whiny baby. (laughs) That's what you are. Because an anarchist is someone who doesn't want a ruler. He wants a government without rulers. That's a government where everybody accepts their responsibility. The real Antifas are out cleaning up the highway and making sure that nothing is obstructing the roads. <laughs> uh, the really, uh, you know, the, the anarchists, let's put it that way, not Antifa. The real anarchists are out there providing services for people, not trying to rule over people. Okay, with that said... What are you trying to do? Are you running for the school board? Are you running for county commissioner? Are you running for, uh, you know, um, the to be the Republican or Democrat from so-and-so who is the senator or congressman of the state? Why? Because you want power. You want power. Because you look out and you see the government is run badly. <laughs> you want to become the government. You need to go watch Dr. Zhivago. Take an afternoon off and go watch Dr. Zhivago. The little guy with the little wire rim glasses who was going to save. He saw injustice. We have to stop this injustice. This is terrible. We have to fight against this. We have to fight back against this injustice. And became a mass murderer (laughs) before the end of the movie. You know, and uh, and he he was killed himself. I mean, it's it's the story of Che. <laughs> che saw injustice and became a product of that same injustice and wreaked injustice on everybody uh, around him. Murdered people at the drop of a hat. Absolutely ruthless. He became that which he hated because he couldn't forgive. He became like what he hated. Now, those are extreme cases. You know, I'm not saying that everybody who runs for office is going to become a Che. Everybody who uh, wants to get in positions of power, to straighten things out, to make things right, is going to become a Che Guevara and murder people by the thousands. But you you may murder some freedom of choice. You may take away, you see, they're not doing right. I need to fix this. Because somebody needs to fix this. Because God can't fix this. I need to fix this. (laughs) You see, there has to be, there's a little bit of atheist in all of us, even the most religious. 
You cannot part the waters of the Red Sea by running for office. Now that's that's a that's insight right there that if you if willing to receive it, there is insight right there in how the kingdom of God works, a key to the kingdom. You cannot part the Red Sea by running for political office. By being a member of the committee that is going to decide good and evil for your neighbor. Which takes us back to that that last quote. I went down and took the last quote out of her article where she's talking about in order to fight back, you must know your rights. You must also know your neighbor's rights. You must allow your neighbor the right to make a choice. She goes on to say, a recent study has found that many of the complaints originate from neighbors who think it's their duty to intervene in others' lives, in other people's lives. That's why you're running for political office. It's because you want to intervene in other people's lives. But you say, but if I don't, who will? Where's God? In all this, you think God doesn't have the power to influence people? To change minds? To change hearts? Now, do you go down to church and mumble prayers? Do you pay some pastor to tickle your ears on the weekend? Or do you seek to build that city on a hill that Jesus talks about? That polis on the hill. That's what the Greek word is, is polis. That word city, polis, polis is always translated city. Shows up in the Bible everywhere. You know, in the the New Testament, because it's Greek. But it doesn't mean a city like you think of the word city today. You know, like Nazareth was a polis. The city of Nazareth. But Nazareth wasn't a city. It had no geographical location. Nobody knows where it was, exactly, at least at that time. There there were people, historians, living very near that and never wrote about its existence, didn't seem to even know that it existed, didn't know where any of the buildings were or anything. Because Nazareth wasn't a town. It was a polis. But it wasn't a geographical town with buildings and a city center and a chamber of commerce and you know, all these things that you have in your cities. It wasn't that kind of city. And the truth is, most polises from the Greek language, and this is what I wrote about, and I'm not going to go on, we don't have time, but those polises are not cities. They're communities. They're community of people, but they're not bound together by geography. They're not bound together by, you know, like a democracy or even a indirect democracy or what we call a republic today. Although it was sort of a republic because it consisted of free assemblies of the people. And they, they did vote, but they did not vote for leaders or rulers. They gave a vote of offering to a minister who was a man of service. Someone who served the people. And provided the needs of the people. If somebody was having trouble educating their children, 
because maybe they weren't as smart or they didn't know how to do it or they needed help because of the time restraints of trying to feed their children and they were having difficulty, whatever. The community would provide help to teach that child. And if the family stayed intact, remember again that a family in those days was the eldest father and mother, the grandparents, their children and unmarried children. Their married sons and unmarried children. The daughters, when they married into another family, they'd be a part of that family, usually. That's the way it went. There were exceptions because there was choice. The kingdom of God is always about choice. So anyway, she goes on and she talks about Senate Bill 317 would have required taxpayers uh, with dependent children to have immunizations, forced immunizations. Senate Bill 321 required the taxpayers uh, with dependent children would uh, attend qualified parent educational courses. They would have to be taught how to be parents. Sounds great because I've seen some parents that really need a lot of teaching. But this is forced. This is compelled. And who's who's describing and, and determining what they're going to teach? These are ideas that are floating around out there. We just, you know, we have somebody in South Africa who was writing us about the fact that they want to outlaw home education. Home education is outlawed in countries like uh, Sweden and Germany, and evidently they want to outlaw it in South Africa. These systems are already set up. They're talking about parents on welfare are already in the system and uh, need to be forced to take parenting courses. And now who's deciding what they're going to teach? It's already, the whole system is based on the idea of forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. It has already removed itself from the principles of Christianity. True Christianity, not Christianity as practiced today. Christianity as practiced today is what you, you know, they think religion is what you think about God. Somebody, uh, a minister from Cameroon was writing us and he, I looked on a webpage that was attached to him and other ministers that are in his entourage. And, uh, I was looking at the headings of the different articles that you could go read. And it's all about giving you an image of God. Writing down, and they would have these articles, and you go read them. And they would have quotes taken from here and there in the Bible. And and they're giving you an image of God because they think religion is what you think about God. When religion was actually the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, which included a daily ministration to take care of the needy of your society, including those that needed to homeschool but needed help homeschooling. That is seeking the path of Christ. That is seeking the kingdom of God. Going into the world and trying to fix it by getting elected to an office of power is the reverse of seeking the kingdom of God. It's actually seeking the kingdom of Rome. You're headed down the other, and you think, well, I've got to fix it. Because deep down, I'm an atheist. I don't really believe that God could fix it. <laughs> I have to do it. 
We need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it's not righteous to force your neighbor to pay for your children's education. It's not right to force your neighbor to pay for your health care. It's not right to force your neighbor to pay for anything that you want. Because when you do that, you're sitting and eating with rulers with an appetite for benefits at the expense of others. And even Polybius. You know, the pagan Polybius knew that that was going to destroy society and was writing about it hundreds of years before Christ. And telling people. And John the Baptist, of course, said the same thing. If you have needs in your community, those in your community that have extras should help you provide those needs. Where does it say, where does John the Baptist say, if you don't have educational uh, school books for your kids, force your neighbor to contribute to the education of your kids? That's a complete antithesis of the gospel of John the Baptist. And yet you call yourself a Christian. You're not. Stop thinking that you're a Christian when you think it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare or anybody else's welfare. You're, you've jumped off the building. You're headed for the sidewalk. You're not flying. You need to rethink your goals. She talks about communist takeover of America, which is, you know, all ten planks of the communist manifesto are law today in America. You know, so what what does that mean? All ten planks of the communist manifesto. Well, you go read our, our article on communist manifesto at preparing you. But they're actually a, a bigger, long list of goals. They ha- they itemize it into, I don't remember how many they have all together, but she mentions, uh, I guess, 45 goals they have all together. Well, number 40 is discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Goal 41, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppress influence of parents. And and we see that going on all the time. And the reality is, is that most children that are having mental difficulties are having mental difficulties well, I I can't say really most, but there's a huge, huge increase in like autism and, and, and other autism-like symptoms that have come about since the beginning of the, the forced vaccination or increased vaccinations in children. And there's a direct correlation between that statistically and the, the autism problem is the increased vaccination, which according to the same spirit that you find in the people that want public education for everybody, including the parents, also want to force vaccinations. There's a, there's a common spiritual agenda that takes place if you're not forgiving. If you don't forgive, if you don't really believe that God is in control and has power to part the Red Sea, so to speak, that's a metaphor, then how in the world 
Can you call yourself a Christian? You're not. But I'm only telling you that so you get to repent and turn around and allow your thinking to be changed. And we're going to tell you how to do that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, There's a war coming. There's a battle coming. It's actually upon us already. And there's an enemy that wants to fight us. And the fact is, is that enemy is us. Because of the fact that the real battle begins inside yourself. You have to be, you have to have a humble heart willing to admit that you made mistakes in order to fix those mistakes. You have to be willing to forgive others, but you also have to be willing to forgive yourself. And you may have to forgive me for telling you the truth about yourself. (laughs) So, it's not easy living with somebody who's going to be telling you the truth about yourself, is that you are being changed by the very society you are looking to for acceptance. You don't want to be looking to that society for acceptance. You make that society God of your soul when you do that. The God of creation gives you the power to heal others who will receive his power in them, his grace in them. But you lose that power to heal. You lose the power to even see when you don't put your faith in the ways of God. And the ways of God are not the ways of force. And what the world is offering, and they offer you, they dangle you the carrot that you will be able to force others, control others, manipulate others, fix the system, so to speak. They will, they will give you the power, or claim to give you the power to fix things, to make things right, when actually they are going to turn you into that little wire rim glasses of, in the guy in Dr. Zhivago, the, the, the Che personality. They will turn you into that person because you will de- you will, they will have you battling windmills, battling other individuals that they will say, oh, this is the problem. Oh, no, this is the problem. And you'll be battling them. But you need to battle the enemy in the ways that God battles the enemies, which people don't understand. When the whole army of the Pharaoh came down upon Moses and the people, God protected the people with a pillar of fire and then allowed the enemy to fall upon his own sword, destroy himself with his own ambition and, and ardor. And that's the way that God battles. Now, you don't have to pick up the sword and battle the enemy. I'm not saying to throw down your sword. I'm not saying be unarmed. But the real battle is not won by the force and might of men's arms. It's won by righteousness. Evil wants you to be unrighteous in your pursuit of whatever it is that you think you're pursuing. 
Jay was unrighteous in his battle against injustice and became the very injustice that he was battling. The battle is to control others, to manipulate others, to have power over others. Or not. To give, empower others to make choices, make right choices. Forgiveness, again, is a key element to this. Love is another key element to this. Yet love can't grow in a, in a garden of unforgiveness. You have to forgive others. Let your hate go. Let your resentment go. I mean, let it go. In order to let it go, a lot of times you have to see it. That, that's what you're holding on to. The traditional American viewpoint, she says, is non-existent. What is the, the traditional American viewpoint is not public education. The traditional American viewpoint is educate your children yourself. Now, I'm using this educate your children yourself, but I'm also talking about health care, home care. There are all kinds of remedies out there to solve problems that you may have. As a matter of fact, most of the remedies out there that are offered by the world are creating more problems than they are solving. And that's another whole topic which we won't go into. But what was uh, happening in Oregon, you know, back in, um, well, actually, you can go way back, but uh, they wanted to have a series of conferences and sponsor uh, different ideas in, in Oregon government and for the legis- to guide the legislatures and uh, the new governor in how to draft bills that would present things that would be important to the children. You know, the Oregon Agenda for the 1990s Children, Youth, and Families. So their agenda, that's a you know, very noble-sounding terminology. And some of the keynote speakers said things like, and I'll quote them here, we need to get in and find out what is going on even in kindergarten level. In other words, get into the homes and find out what's going on in the homes even in kindergarten level. And so they would they they asked kindergartners questions and we've seen these questionnaires floating around that will give them insight into the home and then this goes into a database and then this it, it, it's it's spying on the family through your children. And, you know, people get all up in arms about that and all freaked out about that. But that's not really, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is really not the real problem. Same as what we were going to talk about in the GMOs. Uh, What is the real problem? What is the real essence? Another quote. The only reason that parents homeschool, this is a quote from keynote speakers at this conference. The only reason... That parents homeschool is so that they can have incestuous relationships with their kids. That's a quote. <laughs> so this uh, and, and some of their results were family resource centers, which seem like a good thing and can do good. But what comes in on the back of that goodness, which is another topic we were going to talk about GMOs and and. Uh, this new yellow rice that they have invented supposedly is going to solve all these problems, everything. And I may get to that in the program this afternoon. 
to show you that those are not the remedies, that the real remedy lies somewhere else. It lies completely somewhere else. And it is in the message of Christ to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That if you would actually pursue that with the same enthusiasm that you're pursuing the idea of controlling your neighbor through the agency of governments that exercise authority one over the other, you would get a completely different result. You would get a powerfully different result. And God's Spirit would be in that result. But if you're going to go by the Spirit of Cain, of exercising authority and force and control and fix this and fix this and fix this, because I have run for office and I've got this political agenda, you're going to get the results of the guy in Dr. Zhivago, one way or another, to one greater or lesser degree. People think, oh, well, I've got to do something. There is lots to do in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I mean, a lot to do. It is not an easy road to plow. Jesus talks about striving, talks about persevering, talks about putting your hand to the plow and not taking it off again, not looking back. Religion is a job. It's not an idea. It's not just, you know, what you think about God. It's the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man in a voluntary network, building that peculiar city on the hill that is raised up in the Spirit of Christ, where people gather together to serve. I mean, they even call running for political office service. Who's serving who? Serving the people who have an agenda to exercise authority one over the other. It is fundamentally flawed to think that the governments of the world are the answer when the answer is the kingdom of God, which is not of the world, doesn't operate like the world, that requires forgiveness and giving, coming together in love, you know, I saw saw a little video. I didn't watch the whole thing, but this guy is always putting out videos that we have to raise our consciousness. And I, I know somebody named Goldman who uh, really thinks a lot of this raising your consciousness. And yet she doesn't even see Ella Goldman is the name she goes by, but that's not her real name. But uh, because she, that's a that's the name of a famous anarchist who was actually in favor of bombing people, was not really what anarchy is all about. Anarchy is not rulers, yet Ella Goldman wanted to rule. So does this other one who goes by that pseudonym, wants to rule over others. Wants to destroy fascists and Nazis <laughs> with a bayonet. Because she's becoming that very thing that she hates. I mean, with her, it's so obvious. It's just ridiculous. She just jumps out at you. But with most of you out there, it's much more subtle. You don't actually want to run anybody through with a bayonet. But you want control. You want, you think you know what is good for other people. And they need to listen to you. They need to accept you. And this is one thing I was warning all the ministers about is that uh just talked to another minister yesterday about it that 
the minister is not trying, a minister of Christ is not trying to get people to follow him. They are trying to get people to follow Christ. Well, how do you follow Christ? You read about him? Intellectual knowledge? No, to follow Christ is to be receive spiritual revelation. When you really start receiving the spiritual revelation of Christ, we will see a change in your actions, in the way you do things. There also comes a power to heal. I mean, it's it's around you. It reaches out like the light of a candle out into the world in another dimension. <laughs> and if you just just pass near that person, it may spark something that awakens in them. But you don't want to have to pass near that person again in order to spark it again. You want them to develop their own fire for Christ. Well, one of the ways to develop a real fire for Christ, a holy fire for Christ, because there's an unholy fire for Christ, you know, where you have to stimulate with music and emotion and, and repeating the same words over and over again and all this kind of stuff. But the holy fire of Christ is like that still small voice. It's an ember glowing in righteousness. And you will want to forgive people. You will be released from your resentment and anger. You will not mind giving to people. And giving to others and empowering others and giving other people the opportunity of making choices. You won't be trying to get political office where you take choices away from people and make the right choice for them. You see, that's goes back to that very first thing that I was talking about where they're talking about this agenda to take, you know, where people have to turn in their neighbors to fix their neighbors. And they turn them over to CPS, Protective uh, Child Protective Service. They've got a number of uh, names for it in different parts of the country, but CPS is a, is a common Oregon one. I mean, uh, one, of the, one person was pointing out, who has actually been in this uh, work for the government uh, for years and years and years, and talking about... Uh, the CPS uh, checked up on 3.2 million children in one year. This is Oregon CPS. Though only 686 were reported as abused or neglected. Yet they that, that leaves 2.5 million children have been declared non-victims, yet CPS is involved with checking up on them. Not because of a report of abuse or neglect. So what, what what is that? What what are they doing? You know, if you go back uh, since those enactments of like the Child Prevention um, and Treatment Act, uh, CAPTA, uh, back in 1974, and the federal government has added uh, five additional laws in expanding the scope of the agency's assessment authority to include not just abuse or neglect as well. But other things, in 1997, the sovereignty of parents, this is what uh, Betty writes, was dealt what uh, some consider another deadly blow with the creation and adoption of the the, uh, Safe Families Act. 
And uh, it, it goes on and tells you more about that. But the reality is that the sovereignty of the parents, the blow comes from the fact that you send your kids to public school. The blow comes to the fact that you send your parents to Social Security to take care of your parents. Because that's undermining the family too. You should be taking care of your parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. The word honor means to fatten, to take care of, to provide for. Your parents should not go to the government to be provided for. You're supposed to be doing that. And if you don't do that, if you neglect that, just neglect that a little bit, you alter the spirit that is flowing in your society. You should take care of your parents 100% so that they never have to go to men who exercise authority to provide for their needs. You should be doing that. We often find ourselves providing for the needs of widows and orphans who are not even in our congregations. But it, it strengthens us to do that. And then when things get really bad, we will just focus on those that we really can, you know, have already come together to help others. We already will spend more time with a widow that we know has had that giving heart. Or widower, doesn't matter, male or female. But but what the agenda of the world is, is, is quite different. They, you know, they talk about the 3.2 million children in the system and 2.5 million of whom are later classified as non-victims. But the reality is, is the real victimizer of all these children is the federal government, who is offering $85,000 to the state governments for every child where they terminate the parental rights. Well, how did the state get the power to terminate the parental rights? What happened to the parental sovereignty? You threw it away. You've already turned away from God when you turned to the government to provide what you should be turning to God's government to provide, which is you. You should be taking care of your children. You should be gathering together in free assemblies and helping one another take care of their children. Make their own choices. Not taking their choices away by the governments of the world, but giving them choices because they need to make those choices. I mean, today, the politically incorrect parent is guilty and should have their children taken away, brainwashing your children. So that, you know, because that's, I've made those quotes many times, you know, where, where government senators and congressmen are saying that if you can homeschool your children, your children will not fit in to this new world order. And that's the extreme case. I don't care whether they don't fit in or do fit into the new world order. I just don't want them to be of that order. I want them to be of Christ because that's where the dividing line is going to really take place. The the control doesn't start with the birth certificate, as she says in her article. That is a symptom. And it, it exists there, and it doesn't really matter whether your child has a birth certificate or not. But the real key is 
Are you seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness? Are you looking to that God of heaven to be the father of your family and therefore empowering the fathers and the mothers of the families, both your own and your neighbors? Because that's practicing pure religion when you start doing that. You start gathering together to help one another, help one another take care of their parents, take care of their children, take care of each other. That's how you raise your consciousness. I mentioned the the Gia people uh, talking about raising the consciousness because of all, you know, energy waves and everything. And you get lost in that new age talk. When it's already described for you in early Christendom. But you don't even know what the early Christians were doing. You don't even know why they were persecuted. You don't know why the Corbin of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. Causing them to do no more ought for their parents. If the system causes you to do less for your parents, then the system is already taking you away from the kingdom of God. If the system causes you to do less for your uh, your children, just less than what you would have to do if you were just the parents of your child, then the system itself is taking you away from the kingdom of God. Now, what happens is that many people that are somewhat decent, who are now in the system, want to justify the system. They've gone into the system to some degree. They have looked to the system of the world. And remember, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of your world. He's talking about constitutional order or system of government. But you've gone to the constitutional order and system of government to get some benefits. And you may have had to in order to, or at least you think you had to, in order to provide for your family and for your children and for your husband, for your wife. And maybe so. But that's only because you have been born in this system. And because you have sometimes fallen short. I tell you, God can part the Red Sea and set you free. But you have to be headed in that direction. You have to take care of one another. Pay your tally of bricks. You have to go get a job. Pay your tally of bricks. But you have to come together caring about one another so that you become less dependent upon the straw of the Pharaoh, the benefits of those kings who serve deceitful meats, the benefits of the world that don't come by faith, hope, and charity, but become from force, fear, and violence. So you have to gather together so that everybody can belong to something that wants to take care of their own children and help you take care of your children and you help take care of their children through faith, hope, and charity. Empowering parents to do that. Empowering parents to take care of their parents through faith, hope, and charity and that perfect law of love. 
you want to raise the frequency of the consciousness of your mind to where it's supposed to be by nature, you have to pursue a kingdom that takes care of itself through voluntary acts, not through force, not through control. And you have to extend that right of choice, that natural right of choice, to other parents. And I, I've given the story that in, in a local town here where uh, there was a so-called preacher. He wasn't really a preacher of Christ any more than these anarchists out breaking windows and blocking highways. They're actually anarchists. They are not anarchists. <laughs> They're the antithesis of anarchists. Uh, but he he was abusing his daughter. And the guy across the street just walked over and opened up the little root cellar door where the daughter was locked. It was a little like cubby hole under the stairs. And just took her out and took her back across to his house. And this abusive father left town <laughs> without his daughter. No courts, nothing. Just did it. How did he do it? How did he get away with it? You don't understand the power of the Spirit if you don't understand how somebody could do that. You think there's only power in government. You think there's only power in might. You think what Romans began to say, not originally, but began to say as the emperors rose, is might makes right which is a paraphrasing of an actual earlier maxim. Right makes might. That's why you need to be seeking righteousness. That's why you need to be gathering together in the name of Christ. What is the name of Christ? He came to serve. Do you gather together in congregations to serve, to strengthen the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was not sodomy. It wasn't child abuse. It wasn't parental neglect. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was in a time of affluence they did not strengthen the poor. That's what it says. Socialism does not strengthen the poor. It weakens the poor. Just giving to people because they're poor will create violence, especially when you give with money you took away from others by force. This is why blacks are killing blacks. It's because they have been the greatest recipients, it's called black privilege, greatest recipients of welfare in your local communities on a per capita basis. They're only 13 to 17% of the population but they are receiving huge amounts of the welfare. And it's destroying them. Because with that welfare comes the spirit of how that money was obtained. And how that money was obtained was by force. Now, reverse the process. Think about that. How do you reverse the process? You reverse the process. What is the process? What is the reversal of that process? This is what you need to realize because the reversal of that is the gospel of the kingdom. 
We'll be right back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, in order to fight back, what are we going to do? Are we going to fight back on the terms of that brought us to this precipice? Uh, those terms which say that it's okay to force your neighbor to do what you want them to do for your children, for your parents, for whatever. I mean, this is what you see coming out. People want to force you to bake a cake. They want to force you to, you know, print a t-shirt. They want to force you to do things their way. They want to force you to use their pronouns. <laughs> they don't want to extend freedom to you. This is just the tip of the iceberg. That isn't the problem. The problem is that you're willing to force other people. And the reason you want to force other people is because you can't forgive other people. So it goes back to forgiveness again. You have a duty to forgive so that God may take over. You need to forgive so that God may judge. If you're going to judge, God's, you're cutting God out. This is a lack of faith that you have gone towards these other governments that exercise authority one over the other. You don't really believe in the ways of God. And you, the reason you don't have that belief is it has not entered into you. Why hasn't it entered into you? Is because you're judging others. Because you're still holding resentment for others. You have to forgive so that our Father in Heaven can forgive you. Once you do that, and that's a process, because you're going to find many layers of unforgiveness in your heart, then the true knowledge of God can start coming in. That true knowledge will bring you aware of self-aware as well as aware of how the process works. Now, when you look out into all the world at all the different governments, now we just talked about Oregon and the United States. We can go to Australia. We did talk a little bit about South Africa. We did mention Sweden and Germany outlawing uh, homeschooling. Outlawing. I mean, get arrested. Go to jail. <laughs> If you try to teach your children at home. And if you teach your children at home certain things, they, they can arrest you for that, too. But uh, the same country, Sweden, that outlaws homeschooling, just legalized child marriage for, you know, Muslims coming into the country. You can you can marry a 10-year-old. That's okay. You forced marriage. You know, and those are the, you know, all cultures are not created the same. <laughs> They're not all created equal. You know, when we're looking at Australia that came up on the minister's call where they talk about uh, superannuation, uh, which is supposedly an arrangement so the people in Australia uh, can accumulate funds to provide uh, them with income in retirement. Well, here's a, here's a chance. Here, here's an original thought. Stop taking money away from them. <laughs> <laughs> start restoring the family because that's who's supposed to be taking care of them is the family. Start gathering together. You know, if Omar Gaddafi, who had a lot of good ideas, a lot of bad ideas, got killed for some of his good ideas. <laughs> it wasn't that good an idea. But, you know, he wanted to, you know, be bring back a gold back money. 
which would solve a certain amount of the inflationary problems of the world. But they're not going to allow him to do that any more than they were going to allow Saddam Hussein to monetize oil in euros instead of dollars, U.S. dollars only, because that would collapse economies. Even Germany doesn't want them to collapse the economy because they got to have somebody to sell to. <laughs> so anyway, that's eventually going to happen. But what you need to do is to start the superannuation of God, not of Australia. You need to start building the treasure in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, children love their parents and take care of their parents. In the kingdom of God, parents love their children and take care of their children. In the kingdom of God, families love one another's family, so they take care of one another. If that don't raise your consciousness, folks, I don't know what will. What that does, if you were actually to go that way, it's going to require that you forgive a lot of people, including yourself, who have gone the wrong way for a long time now. So it's going to take a huge amount of forgiveness. And it's also going to take a huge amount of personal sacrifice in order to receive the grace of God. Because what what grace have you if you only love those who love you? And you don't even love your own children if you're sending them to public school. Because you know, I mean, it it's well documented that the school books in the public school have distorted the truth about history. Which will cause your children to re- repeat the mistakes of history. Then the, you know, people are fighting against Common Core. I can show you how to fight against Common Core. Take your kids out of school. Common Core is designed to undermine the position of your parents. Because your parents can't explain Common Core approach to mathematics. They can't explain the rational, because they were never taught that, and it's a little irrational anyway. It's, let's, let's put it this way. It's sub-rational. <laughs> There's a good term. It's subrational because it it is dumbing down your children. They they Common Core is a is a direct reflection of the what the schools were doing in uh, China years ago. Chinese refugees say we recognize uh, this Common Core education. It's what they brought to us during the Cultural Revolution. Well, the Cultural Revolution is not the culture of America that made America great. The culture of the Revolution is what turned the guy in Dr. Zhivago into a tyrant. And that's what's going to happen to you. Now, you know, we, we quoted a couple of weeks ago, and we've quoted him last week probably, Ben Shapiro talking about what the liberals uh, or libertarians need to realize is that they need social networks outside of government helping each other with common values. That's what Christ was doing. Christ knew that. Christ was preaching that. Ben Shapiro is preaching Christ and he doesn't even know it. (laughs) He thinks Christ is what Christians have been telling them. Modern Christians have been telling them. Not real Christians. Just modern Christians. So anyway, this brings me into an argument of Patrick Moore, who was a former leader in Greenpeace who is now pulled away from Greenpeace, and Greenpeace badmouths him, you know, and everything. And, you know, he writes it. And he's he's for PragerU. Uh, he speaks on PragerU at least twice now. Once is in support of GMOs. 
and once why he left Greenpeace. Now, his reason for leaving Greenpeace is somewhat legitimate, but his reason for supporting the GMOs is completely illegitimate. And that's what we're going to probably talk about this afternoon. But what I'm really going to talk about in the program this afternoon, this golden rice, this yellow rice that they that they they're trying to promote that's going to solve all these problems and he talks about them solving in his five minutes on uh, prager you and and he, and then people talk about it being a trojan horse of biotechnology uh, corporations to bring in this idea of gmos but what is really the problem with gmos and what it what is the mechanical and spiritual problem with gmos and the reality is, is that there, things are genetically modified all the time. They're modified by frequency. You can, you can modify the genetic coding. I mean, the codes are still there, but a great many of the code elements in what we look at as the double helix, which is only a fraction of the genetics in a cell. It's the epigenetics that is really the power wagon. The double helix, much of the double helix doesn't seem to do anything. It's because those genetics are inactive. What activates them? One of the things that activates them is frequencies. The other thing that activates them is that epigenetics that will activate them. All this is built into your system and one of the most complex uh, opuses of biology that you could imagine. And you think there's not a God. <laughs> well, there is. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get into talking about that in this afternoon's program. But um, the the reality is, and, and I'll talk about the gas of peace, H.G. Wells' gas of peace. But the reality is, is you need to re-look, rethink what it means to seek the kingdom of God. You know, I tell you, definitions of words have changed. Religion used to be the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man, which includes your duty to your children and to your parents. And then where really where religion really kicks in is your duty to your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself. Not to take away from your neighbor, take away his choices, take away his money, take away his right to to exercise those choices, you're not supposed to be taking that away. And if you were to really forgive and let that power of God flow through you, you might get money, you might not get money, but you will get power. But you won't even know it. The power will just pass through you. It will, because it's not your power, it's God's power. And it will bless other people. They will become consciously awake of things that they were not awake to before. And, but you have to be patient. You, which is part of that love. Patience is love. You have to be forgiving, which is, feeds that patience. You have to allow them to grow. And you have to bring the light of your awareness without judgment upon what they are doing. 
in hopes that their own light, their own divine light, will be kindled. This is the baptism of fire we talked about a number of weeks ago. But you have to receive the baptism of fire too, which means first you have to forgive and then you have to put that forgiveness, that love, into action. Faith without actions is dead. You know, you poke it with a stick and you don't see anything. It's dead. You have to have faith with action. And what action should you be practicing? Pure religion. But before you can even practice pure religion, you need to take care of your children and your parents. You know, that, that your family. You have to get your family in order. And that takes looking at yourself. Because you haven't been doing that. You think you have. The world wants you to think you're really a good parent. A really a good son or daughter. But are you meeting the criteria, the standards of God? To honor thy father and thy mother. To love one another. To take care of one another. What commandment tells you to take care of your children? Does, doesn't God want you to take care of your children? Shouldn't there be a commandment? Thou shalt take care of thy children? <laughs> That's so basically fundamental. That God didn't, you know, didn't see any reason to write it down again. I thought you guys knew that. <laughs> Besides, how will your children take care of you if you don't take care of your children? How will your children honor you if you will not honor your children? You know, when we started homeschooling our children, we did just, we didn't even know about homeschooling. We really didn't understand homeschooling. Didn't understand how it was important. We were led to do it. Yet that same period of time, you know, I had come out of the church. I had been trained up in the church and I had such a resentment towards church. I didn't think I did. I didn't think I had that resentment. I found it hard to say the word church. When I first started writing about church, I started writing and using the word ecclesia because I didn't want to use the word church. And I didn't realize that, that that was the result of resentment that was still harboring down in my heart for some of the, you know, they had misled me. They had given me artificial guilty uh, guilt and uh, they had, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't abused by priests uh, physically or anything, but uh, their lie which fed their vanity, they passed on to me. And, of course, I rejected it. But, unfortunately, I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. I threw church and religion out with the bathwater. I mean, I, I never became unreligious. I never became, actually, no guys who became atheists for a while. <laughs> they, they realized the deception in modern religion, uh, which isn't really about God. It's about vanity. It's about themselves, setting themselves up as gods over other people's minds and thinking. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want God to tell you what to think. I'm just talking to you about what I think God wants you to know. Uh, I'm telling you what God wanted me to know. And I'm sharing it with you. Now you got to figure out what to do with that. And you can try to figure out in your own mind, but that's tree of knowledge stuff. Or you can try to let God show you which means you have to approach it with the fact that you can't figure it out. You know, being really smart, really intelligent, 
able to remember stuff and all this. It's a gift, but it's a curse. It's like being really beautiful. It's a gift. It's a curse. You know, being really strong. It's a gift. It's a curse. It depends on what you do with the gift that you're given. Do you use it for the grace of God? Do you you use it in righteousness? Or do you use it in self-righteousness? You see, because the tree of knowledge is about deciding for yourself what is good and evil. The tree of life is about letting God to decide and serving God's purpose. What is God's purpose? To give life. If you're going to give life, you're going to give choice. You're going to allow people the right to make a choice. It doesn't mean that you allow them to beat their children. You can stop somebody from beating their children without calling CPS. You can easily do that. You know, <laughs> I know guys, I know guys who are not really good guys who were able to do <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of problems. See, that's the thing is, everybody's got problems. You know, I don't know who's going to actually make it to the kingdom of God and who's not. I don't need to know. I need to know what I need to do. And then I need to do it. How do I know what I need to do? That's by revelation. Jesus said this. Not by flesh and blood. It's not studying what I write that's going to tell you what you need to do. It may tell you what you don't need to do. It may tell you what you don't need to know. <laughs> because you, what you, mostly what's hurting you now is what you think you already know to be true that ain't so. And this is what we're trying to show you. The, and we'll take it back to the beginning of this whole thing. When you need, parents need to know their rights. We need to know what that means. That your, your rights are your responsibilities to take care of your children. How do you lose your rights? You don't take care of your children. You ask the state to take care of your children. Educate your children. You ask the state to take care of your parents. You don't take care of your parents. You have the state do it. They're going to get their social security check. And that will take care of them. And really, what you probably should do is have your parents help educate your children. If you don't have enough time to do it, you should have your parents helping your kids with their classwork. (laughs) Um, And they might learn a whole lot more. <laughs> and they will certainly learn it with another spirit because, I mean, I don't know your parents, but if your parents are the parents who don't want to control, manipulate, uh, who want to inspire them to hear God in their own hearts and minds, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and do right by other people, Oh, I mean, you could do so much. You could change so much. You could part the Red Sea. You could open other people's minds to the Spirit of God. Not the Spirit of modern religion, but the Spirit of God. By the fulfillment. I I was talking about, I had a couple of my grandkids with us on this trip to Idaho. And they were going around and dropping just a little bit of food, a little extra food and stuff off at uh, widows' houses. They had a list of widows. 
And it could be a list of almost anybody in need. It could be the poor, too. They could have a list of people that are really hardworking and trying to make it. And they're having difficulties. Might even have trouble with drugs. And they're trying to overcome those those problems with drugs and get back to work and become a, a fruitful member of society. Whatever. You can make up your own list. There's all kinds of people out there. Let God guide you in making that list. But my grandchildren were along and they were helping redistribute these extra food items that they had for the widows. And I saw them marching up to each house as we stopped there. They got out and they each one would take a, a different thing up to the door. And I said it was kind of like Halloween in reverse. <laughs> Instead of going up and we had a uh, it was a teaching call the other day. I guess it was on and one of the, we we chit chat for a few minutes before we start the actual course. And it was Halloween night, and uh, and the guy said, I just saw the fattest Spider-Man <laughs> at my door ever. And he was just gathering up all the candy he could get. It was probably the worst thing in the world. These kids going from house to house saying, trick or treat me, uh, and taking candy. And uh, But, oh, it's so much fun. You know, and what's important is that they're happy. <laughs> that is the biggest lie there ever was. The poor, the important thing is that they're righteous because righteousness will make them happy. Jumping off a building and soaring down to the sidewalk may make you happy while you think you're flying. <laughs> But the end result is terrible. The important thing is that you're righteous. And that will not only make you happy, but all those who love righteousness happy. Because that's what really makes you happy. Not self-righteous now. Religious self-righteousness is not the answer. But actual, true, pure religion is the answer. But here they were practicing pure religion. They were taking care of the widows and orphans in a in a ritual form, because they weren't providing all the daily bread of those widows. But I tell you, it sets a precedent. It sets in motion a spiritual power and force. It sets a direction in the lives of your children. Going to the house and saying trick-or-treat sets, it isn't as innocent as you might think. You're taking your kids to public school and saying, yeah, State, teach my children at the expense of my neighbor. That brings a spirit into your household that is not easily cast out. But with forgiveness and repentance, you can become better for your experience. Because you have been to hell. (laughs) You know what that looks like. You don't really know what it looks like when you're there because you can't see very far. You have to get back a little bit. You have to rise up above where you are at and see, oh my gosh, we need to go this other way. We need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to build that city, that polis on a hill of peculiar people who actually learn what it means to care about others. When we first started doing, the kids were all kind of shy about going and and handing out the. Uh, but I think the first widow we had was an exceptional person, 
And I think she imparted a certain spirit. I won't go into why I say that. But when we came to the next houses, they were anxious. They were out of the car before we, before I even knew what was happening. And by the third house, they were, they were just, they all had their jobs and they'd all figured out what they were going to do. Nobody was telling them. And they were organizing themselves. And they were taking that up to the houses. And I tell you, in those bowls of food and offerings, there was a spirit that was going up with them. And that's that's what you have to do. Don't try to change big things. Change little things until they get bigger. You don't plant big seeds. You plant little seeds. And faith grows. So until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.